and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. And I pray, Father, for the heart of those who are lost and still needs to surrender their life to you. I pray, Lord, that this will be the evening that they will yield to your calling. And Father, I pray for encouragement for those who have been discouraged. I pray, Father, for those who have made it here tonight despite the struggle. I pray that you speak to them and encourage them to continue to do the walk, Lord God, and fight the good fight. Father, I pray for your wisdom again. And Lord, override my preparations. Let you and you alone speak to your people tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, break is good from time to time, but it doesn't help with my nerves when I come back because it always feels like I'm starting, I'm green again. It's, it's just always, it always hits me. So my, I'm really sweaty, I'm probably rusty. But I, I praise God for the rest that he gave me. I got to spend time with my family uh, in California. And a cousin of mine was telling me that I need to take a vacation and take a trip to the Philippines. He sent me a link, which is uh, sells cheap tickets for January. And I told him, I don't want it. I don't want to go to the Philippines. And he was telling me to find the simplicity in life. <laughs> How is that simple? Imagine this guy. He's, he goes, enjoy it. Sometimes you need to take a break. And I told him, look, three hours of driving to California was simple enough for me. And I had enough fun. I see life differently now. That's why I told him he stopped texting me because he knows I'm probably going to go off on my, <laughs> on my preaching to him. So I was, this happened while I was uh, finishing up my notes. So I titled our message, A Life of obedience to God. Do you agree that when we say life, everybody has a different interpretation of life, right? You know, when, when you talk to people who love hip-hop music, you know, when they say live in the life, you're probably thinking, you know, a boat, lots of women, lots of money, gold chains, gold, gold watches, gold teeth, right? <laughs> and they're saying, this is living the life, right? They're saying, living the life, I'm living the life. When you talk to somebody who's an athlete, when you say, I'm living the life, they're winning the championship and, and everything else. It's, it's, it depends on what their interpretation of what life is and what living is. Right? And for a believer, I pray that we are all in the same, we're in the same page when it says living a life of obedience to God. That our life should be about obedience to our God the Father. And we're going to see through these verses that we just read. I'm surprised how it came about, really. I really thought I was just going to fly through chapter 2 again and then hold off for 2.20. But then, <laughs> and then I started praying, Lord, what do you want to tell your people? And then I stopped at five verses. And, it came, and God came with these verses. So please, I pray that um, if you are sleepy, I know um, we have made coffee. <laughs> Or you could just have your rest because this is the day of rest. Amen. <laughs> Here we go. This is our introductory verse. Matthew 28, 19. It says here, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus' instruction, the resurrected Jesus, 
instructed his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. We will see that Paul's life, if you don't already know, that you, if you already know of Paul's life, he was always about sharing the gospel. He was about bringing someone to Christ all the time from one end to another. And this one, John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In Paul's life too, I could always see this. In these verses that we're going to be tackling, you could see it. That his love for other people surpasses almost everything except his love for God. But he never comes off not loving. When he reprimands Peter in the next, uh, next Sunday when we see it, it's because out of his love for God and his love for Peter and for his love for his, the believers that are the Gentiles. You know, it's, Paul's life has always been about this, these two things. So let's begin. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. This is Paul speaking, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. First point, if you look back on, your, on chapter 1, you would see that he went out three years after he met Jesus in the Damascus, right? In the road of the Damascus road. He went away for three years. And then he did, he, he learned whatever he needed to learn there. God taught him everything he needed to learn. And then he went on. For 14 years, he did meet the disciples before that, before he traveled. But then 14 years later, 14 years later, he what? He got a re revelation. God called him, told him to meet with the disciples once again. 14 years. What's my point? When God tells you to do something, you drop everything. You drop everything and you do what God tells you. For most of us, see, he's doing good work. Do you agree? Those 14 years of missionary work, planting churches, pastoring churches, teaching believers. But then God told him to go and see the disciples. He dropped everything. 14 years later. For most of us, for some of us here, we still need, we still need to answer that call that God has been telling us to do. For some of us, we still need to respond to his call. We know it's God who called us. It's clear. We know it's God, but we're holding it off. We're putting God on the you know, second or third or fourth. We don't want it to be first. Not yet. I'm too young, Lord. I haven't met my wife yet, Lord. My husband hasn't changed yet, Lord. You haven't given me that promotion yet, Lord. I still don't have that house yet, Lord. I still don't have that retirement yet, Lord. I don't want to respond to this other call that you're giving me or you told me time and time again. We want to continue our life as we see. And you see this? If you're going to tell me, well, I'm doing something good for God. Sometimes even if you're doing something good for God, God will tell you, wait, I need you to do something else for me. Right? And then you drop it. You see it. We have to see from Paul's life. He dropped it. Then he went. He went to see them. 
And then his next point is he went to see the leaders. We're going to see it's Peter, James, and um, another, another guy. that He, he met the, 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 the pillars of the faith at that time. He met with them. He said, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. 13 years later, he's been planning churches, he's been pastoring churches, he's been telling people, and then now he wants to, this is what God wanted him to do. Verify your gospel with them. He did not meet with them before and say, hey, teach me the doctrines. No, it was Jesus who taught him the doctrines of the faith. That's why if you remember our first chapter when we tackled it, it was God who revealed to Paul everything that he then passed on to the churches and to the people. And here he's saying that I wanted to verify with them. It's good from time to time to check your doctrine. Amen? It's good from time to time to have it tested, to put it on acid test, to see if you're on the right page. Don't you agree? And it's okay to be wrong from time to time. The guy, that's the, the prideful Christian said, nope, I'm never wrong. <laughs> he just, he just, you were just wrong. When you see, you see, he says, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. Again, the gospel. Believers of FICF, especially the ones that have been here since the birth of it. Right? Our founding pastor was very compassionate in, in evangelism too, correct? And you know which, what next verse. That's why I had the verses not printed down on your, on your programs tonight. It's because I'm th- I'm, I want you to guess if I am saying the gospel, what verse should we be looking at the next one? Somebody say it loud, loud. The gospel. What's the gospel? Where is it? There, Galing. Yes. First Corinthians 15, 3, 10. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. If you want to know the gospel, if you want to learn how to share the gospel, it's right here. Understand this. Look into it. Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, according to the Bible, the believer that's constantly and faithfully studying the word of God, that scripture this Bible, the Word, inspired Word of God. Hopefully, as you continue with our faith, you're studying it. You're falling in love with it. You can't live without it. And you know what? The gospel is the good news. But it's not a good news if you don't know that there's bad news. Correct? How can it be good news if there's no bad news? With my trip in in California, I was always looking for a time to share the gospel once again to my family who has heard it before. But then I've learned the fact that I shouldn't kick the door down. If Jesus says I'm knocking at their hearts, I shouldn't be kicking it down. Although I'd love to kick it down already. I felt it many times. So I was barbecuing and my brother came along trying to talk and chit chat with me. And I found an opening there opening to share the gospel to him to tell him about the bad news first the bad news first to tell him that if he dies without jesus there's eternal death for him 
And I told him that if you think I am not, if you think what I'm doing is a joke, tell me now. If you think my faith is a joke, tell me now. If you think if you haven't seen any change in me, tell me now. Because everything that is happening in my life is because of God. If there is anything good that you see in my life, it's because of God. Now, do you take those opportunities? Do you see those opportunities? Do you even look for those opportunities? Is the question. The worst is, do you even know how to share the gospel? Do you even know what the gospel is? Well, I know I stood up there, took your hand, and I thought we were good. You were when you prayed. But then there's more studying, right? There should be hunger in there. There should be hunger in there. And everything else you see here, when Paul said that there was, Jesus revealed himself to 500 people and then some witnesses. Because our Jesus is, is alive. Amen? That's why in this church, that cross is empty. That cross is empty. Because he's no longer there. So that's the good news. But there's no good news if you can't tell them the bad news. So do me a favor. Don't even tell them about the good news if you can't tell them about the bad news. Because they're going to say, what are you talking about? I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And, there is, and if there is a God there, he will know that. The biggest insult to God is that, the goodness of man. Because if you think your goodness will take you to heaven then you're telling Jesus that everything that he did on the cross was useless. Do you agree? That's a big insult to God. Man's goodness. It's an insult to what he has given us. There's a gift for us to, be, to receive. So that's one of Paul's life. One of the aspects of Paul's life. His obedience to the gospel. To sharing the gospel. To the great commission. First point of his life is he was always about that. Next one. In Galatians 2, 2 the, the, the last part of that, I wanted to be sure he ran the gospel, he ran by, he compared notes with the disciples, you know, because he said, I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. I have a question here. Are you running the right race? Are you running the right race? Do you know that, uh, do you know of, um, I have my notes here, of uh, Jim Marshall? He was an NFL football player. <laughs> yeah, this was in October 25, in 1965. Jim Marshall ran the wrong way for a touchdown. He was playing for the Vikings, and there was a fumble by the 49ers. He grabbed the ball, start running, running all the way to the 49ers end zone. It cost them two points for safety. And there's another one. There was a big day for Italian marathon runner Iob Faniel, who came in first place at the Venice Marathon Sunday. After the race, front runners, the favorites, were led astray from the course by a motorcycle guide. In the surprising twist, the leading pack at about 16 miles in, which included runners Abdul Dawood and the, the, the favorites, ran several hundred meters in the wrong direction. 
So they had to double back to correct the error, and they finished third, fourth, and fifth. But the guy that was running the right direction won the race. Believers, your life, your life must be ran at the direction that God wants you to, to run. Amen? It has to be God's way because anything outside God's way is the wrong way. I can't believe that made sense, really. <laughs> it's so simple, yet so profound. <laughs> but then how many of us, how many of us, look at your week this week. How many of us were we actually running the right direction for the race? Everybody quotes it. You know, I have a friend who is a politician in the Philippines. He's a batchmate of mine. He's a perfect politician because he makes promises that he can't keep. <laughs> so... So, but he loves to use the word, but I fought the good fight. Come on. How is that? What does that have to do with politics? I fought the good fight. I ran the race. Really? What's the race? What is Paul talking about when it comes to that? The direction of a Christian's life is obedience to God. Amen? Whatever it may be however costly it may be. I have another question. What would it take for you to stop following God? What would it take? Is it a huge heartbreak with a loved one? Is it a betrayal? Is it your health? Some of us have answered that. Some of us have answered, well, he took my wife, so never mind. I don't want to follow him anymore. Well, my children would never listen to me. Although I brought them to church, you know what? Then never mind. Because God, if God can't change them, then there's no God. I've been asking for my husband to just find another person. But up to now, he can't. No. <laughs> Sometimes we put conditions Right? Between us and God and say, Lord, so long as you do this list for me, right here, we're good. You got me. I'll continue to follow you all my life. But then, when things are not working out by our list, we start questioning. You know, our atheist friends, they're very good in saying there's no God. Right? There's no God. You're stupid for thinking that there's a God. What kind of person are you still believing in fairy tales but then they're the first people that will tell you when things are going wrong they're going to tell you to blame god they're going to say how can there be a good god if there these things are going like this bad things are going on how can there be a god they'll point you to that direction although they already dismissed the fact that there's a god so frankly they're really confused but believers, sometimes we act as if we're, un, we're, we're an atheist. Sadly, some of us act as if we're unbelievers. We're only believers by faith, but our lifestyle doesn't show it. Because when things start going wrong, we stop following God. We stop following Him. When things are not going well the way we want it, the way we thought it should go, we stop. We stop praying, we stop fellowship. We stop going to church. We stop everything. We drop everything. Now we're going to do it our way. When then we say, I wanted to be sure. When 
Paul says, I wanted to be sure I was not running. I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. He says it too here in Philippians 2.16. As you hold me firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Psalm 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I included that because you know what? If you don't know that your time is running, if you don't know that your time is running, why would you care to run the right race now? Some of us think we can live forever. Some of us, some of us think we're going to be like Pastor Charles here. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Charles is so blessed with a long life. The Bible says that, right? A long life is a blessing from God. But none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Who's guaranteed here tomorrow except Pastor Charles? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. But then we live our life, we, we waste our time on things that the world tells us to do. Right? Living the life as the world tells us. Living the life as the world tells us. We're reaching, we're reaching in for another, another degree. Right? We got our, our bachelor's degree. We want our master's degree. We want our doctor's degree. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, let me just say that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it becomes wrong when it, be, it comes before our relationship with God. Amen? It becomes wrong when you've been denying the calling that God has been telling you to do. Because everything else is important. That's what John Wesley was told by his mom. That it's anything that clouds your decision to continue to follow God and His will for your life. That's an idol. So if we're not numbering our days, and we're, we're, if we're running the wrong race, some of us are not even running. You know that? Some of us were just occupying space. Because we're done. We don't want to do anything for God. We're, life is just too hard, Joe. What are you talking about? I got laundry to do. I got dishes to do. I got bills to pay. What are you talking about? Church? You want church? You want me to what? Prayer meeting? Why? It's Wednesday. I work 12 hours overtime. Why do you want me there? Bible study, what for? I'll see you on Sunday. Maybe. Right? There's things, other things become more important in our race because we're running the wrong race already. We're heading the wrong direction now. Our life is no longer for God. Our life is no longer a life of obedience. We're searching, we're reaching everything that, that the earth that the world is telling us to do. Remember. Solomon, Solomon who did everything that the world told him to do, that he did everything, he ate everything, he, whatever pleased his eyes, he took. And then he concluded everything to this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Now this is... Fearing God is the Old Testament way. The New Testament 
is this. Because if, if it's love, loving God is the New Testament. I'll show you that in a minute. But if we are to fear God, we are to keep His commandments, right? If that's a purpose, if that's our duty, if that's our life, if that's our direction to keep His commandments, the next question should be, what commandments? Somebody did ask Jesus that, and it's here. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him. So speaking about Jesus, with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you can't do these two right here, there's no way you're keeping the other ones. Do we agree? If we are to fear God, if we are to love God with our entire being, that includes our, our, our fellow believers, our neighbors. And this is our life purpose. This is our life of obedience. Our life should be a life of obedience to God. To what? To the commands. These two commands. To love Him with our entire being. So what race are you running? And whom do you love more? Some of us are saying, I love my boyfriend more. I love my girlfriend more, Pastor. And you don't know what it feels because you don't know him. I'm glad I don't know him. But let me tell you, love jumps out the window the first, first month that you don't have anything to pay for the bills. Right? Love goes off the window when trials come your way. If you're still in your honeymoon stage, I don't mean to break the bubble here, bust the bubble here. Well, you probably already heard it. It's not a Hollywood ending. The world will disappoint you. And that includes your loved ones. Human love has an end. We all have our limitations. Your love for me has a limitation. My love for you has a limitation. <laughs> because that's human love. So we need to reach godly love. The Holy Spirit in us is the only one that makes us, makes us run. For the right race. Makes us love our neighbors in the ways that we can't. You know that when God, when God sees us, God sees Christ, right? He sees Christ. It's like when you're driving, I heard this example this week and I loved it. When you're driving in your car and you pass by me, I'll see you in your car. If I drive by your house and you're by the kitchen and you wave at me, I see you in your house. If you tell me, if I drop you off in San Francisco to, to go to the Philippines, you get into that, that plane, I'll wave at you. I'll see the plane. I might not be seeing you, but I know that's your plane. But I know you're in the plane. It's the same when you've accepted Christ. We are in Christ. That's how God sees us. God doesn't see our imperfections. So we can, we can run. Just like getting in the plane, you can't fly yourself to the Philippines. But you can inside that plane. 
when you're in your car, you can't run 75 miles an hour to go to work. But you can with your car. You can't love your neighbors and you can't love God without the Holy Spirit in you. The only way we can live this Christian life, which is impossible, is with the Holy Spirit. That gives us the strength. But we need to obey. Because that's the bad part. We have the free will. Before I thought free will was such a gift. But then I realized, the more I learned the scriptures, I'm like, man, how I wish God would just push that button and I'll just be obedient all the time. There's no temptation. I won't be tempted. I won't be, you know, going back to my old sinful nature. But sometimes you are tempted because you still have that choice. Once you've accepted Christ as your Lord, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, but then He empowers you to be obedient, to love your neighbor, to love your enemies. Right? I'm shaking my head because love your enemies? How, how can they go together? Right? You're supposed to... to Annihilate, and then enemies should be together. But loving enemies, it's no. But Jesus said that, love your enemies. We can only do that with the Holy Spirit in us. And we can see that in Paul's life. Paul, always about sharing the gospel. And his love for God shows in his love for other people. No matter how difficult they are. Remember, we studied the book of Corinthians, right? One and two. But despite all of that, he still loved them because of the love of God that was coming out of him. And he was spreading it to the other people. Going back to Galatians 2, 3, 4. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised. Again, remember our opening? The Galatian church was infiltrated with false believers. The Judaizers came, went in there and they started telling the believers there that they need to add circumcision in their faith. They need to do certain Jewish traditions, which is one, the circumcision, to, be, to complete their salvation. And it says here, Yet not even Titus who was with me was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks. To spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Jesus has removed us, has released us. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you are no longer a slave to sin. We are free. But then these people here, and same now, same now, we need to be aware Jesus and Paul reminded us that we need to be aware of, of certain teachings, certain teachers, or maybe people that, are you, that you're with around here that's trying to enslave you again, trying to tell you that you need to add or do certain things to add to your salvation. Let's look at what Paul said. Believer, beware. This is in Acts, and he was talking to the leaders of, of Ephesus. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. See, this is why there's a huge need for you to truly know the Word of God. You studying the truth, you knowing, and you praying. You know, there's a lot about, there's been a lot made about love and grace about our faith, which is good. But we have to also understand that we need to develop a discerning spirit. We need to be praying for wisdom and discernment. We need to know, okay, what's being said? Is that right or is it wrong? Lord, guide me. You know, you see the verse and you look at the verse and you just compare. What is being said? All right? You know, the funny thing is, we're compared, God compared us to we're called sheep by singular and as a group. Did you know that sheep, if you're, the sheep, when they're being uh, sacrificed, they don't even bleat. You know, they don't make noise. They just let you. They let you cut them, kill them, and bring lamb chops to your kids at night. They don't complain. They don't make any sound. They don't bleat. They bleed. Did you know that the only protection, they can't protect themselves from predators. The only protection that sheep has is when they flock together. Because the wolves, they see it, there's many, they're scared. There's many of them. So why are we being compared? Why did Jesus compare us to sheep? How are his flock? Because you know why? Our only protection against the enemy is being together. Being together. Because the ones that are astray from the flock are the ones that the predators capture and devour. So the enemy, knowing this, what's, what's their plan? We need to infiltrate. We need to go in there. Pretend that we are one of them. I love spy movies. I love it. It's just awesome. Whoever thought about spies or it's a smart person. Right? They pretend you're, they're friendly, they're part of the group, and then they start changing, and they start, this is what, this is what Paul is saying, right? Be careful. When they deliver certain things, you have to identify it. Same with the Galatian church. They're, these guys were adding circumcision, adding to the salvation, where there shouldn't be no more addition, for it is by grace that you've been saved, not by, not by work, so that no one may boast. Sorry, I've been developing this forgetfulness lately. Jesus said it too. Jesus warned us to. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can, look at this, you can identify them by their fruit. How? By their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. So before you start looking around and giving the stinky eye to the... <laughs> to the false prophet or the, the false brethren that you're thinking and you start giving them the stinky eye. 
the first question should be, is this you? Right? We should first look at ourselves and say, is it me? <laughs> right? Because that's what, that's what James said. Why look at your brothers, the sawdust in your brother's eye? Well, there's a plank in yours. I'm not calling anybody. <laughs> I'm not calling you the wolf here. But this is, this is a good warning, correct? This is a good warning for all of us. This, is, this should move us to what? To ask for God's help. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me discernment. Lord, reveal to me what is true and what is not. And Lord, protect us from the enemy. And that also tells us, since I talked about being together, that also tells us the importance of church. The one sign of a sheep being sick is it goes away from the flock. And it doesn't have an appetite. This is about the sheep, the animal, okay? I'm not talking about the believer. But then if you think about it, it's very similar. The first indicator that a believer is sinning is he loses or she loses fellowship, breaks fellowship with the flock first, right? First indicator that the sheep is sick. Second is there's no appetite for the word. There's no appetite. No more Bible study. No more prayer meeting. No more study. No more church. Everything else is more important. So, But we have to. We have to watch in the context of, the, of our verse tonight, Paul tells the Galatians that you, are, you have false brethren there. And they're teaching you a false gospel. He's telling them. They came in by stealth, undetected. So here's Paul, because of his love for them, because of his love for God and his love for them, is again... Writing this letter and telling them, hey, there's something wrong there. Going back to Galatians, we did not give in to them. Look at this, Paul saying, we did not, him and his team uh, in Titus, he says, we did not give in to them for a moment. He didn't even buy it, not for a second. See, if we're going to live a life of obedience to God, we will be so solid in the Word of God that nothing can shake us, not even for a second. Once you see it, you're going to you're going to say, nope, wrong. I'm standing firm in the Word of God. Correct? But then if you're just playing around with your faith with the Lord, you're like, you're going to sway. And whichever you think you hear, whichever is good, whichever is bad, you're just... Just going with the flow. But if you stand in the word of God, you know the truth. Nothing, nothing. It won't move you. See, Paul says, we did not give in to them for a moment. So that the truth of the gospel might be what? So that they will know that I am smart? No. So that they know that I'm the guy that they need to be talking to? Not them? No. It's because for them. It's for the Galatian church. It's for the other people. If you're going to live a life of obedience, you're going to be unselfish. 
You're not going to be thinking about yourself anymore. Not so much about yourself. You're going to live in an unselfish life because your love for God compels you to love others. There's no about enriching yourself. Although God will bless those who are obedient to him. But there's going to be so much for us. You know, when I took that break, it was good. But I couldn't wait to get back here. I felt like I was doing something wrong. Either that or I just don't know how to take breaks anymore. I felt like, I don't feel right. But I know I need to take a break because I'm already getting stressed. But I, it felt wrong not to be with you guys during that Sunday. And then my discernment was all the more... Uh, <laughs> My radar started going off when I started hearing the message that was, uh, was, incor was incorrect. I wanted to get up, but I was in the theater. It was a recording. There's no point. But that's another story. Can you believe that? Will you be able to sit down here and watch the pastor on the screen? Okay, not, I'm, I'm sounding legalistic, right? But I'm saying is it's loses, it loses the fellowship, Right? It feels like it's, you're losing fellowship just watching a YouTube video. Then why go to church? So the, the gift that, that God has given us, what I'm saying is the gift that God has given us with our, with our you know, small group, however we grow or not, the intimacy, we have to enjoy it. Anyway, I, that's a side note. <laughs> the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Paul was all about delivering the truth about Christ, teaching people about Christ, sharing the gospel, and fighting for the truth for the people. Again, so that's our life. Our life should be about a life of obedience to God. Amen? Because of our love relationship with the Lord. It grows and passes on to the other people. Look at this one. Romans 14, 21. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes. It is, not, it is good not to eat. Okay. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Why am I putting in this it, it, in here? Because of the, the previous verse in Galatians. Paul could have just tackled those, those false brethren and not do anything about it. Other than just attacking them, telling them they're wrong. And not write the Galatian church about it. But he did it, what he did, and with his whole life, everything that he did, the moment he met Jesus in the Damascus road, was for God and to win people for God. Even to a point of denying himself. So we need to also be the same way. We become a stumbling block when we are selfish. Well, I'm saved by grace anyway. So I'll just have this drink in front of my brother who still hasn't accepted Christ. My brother in California. He's still, I'll still act the same way. But I'm saved by grace. God knows. I've shared to him the gospel many times, many years. He keeps denying it. So it's not my fault anymore. I'll just have a beer. No. Right? Because then he'll start thinking, this dude hasn't changed. Right? 
So I deny myself as a certain action that I know I have freedom to do. I know this is in the context of eating and drinking something, but I'm, I'm approaching your thinking on your life with your rights. I'm approaching to that argument that you have, well, it's my right. I have free will. I'm saved by grace. Right? When you look at this, causes your brother to stumble. Because whether you like it or not, they're looking at you. They're watching you. Now I was at a party last night, and some of the guys there know they know me before. <laughs> and um, I know I was invited there so I could be with them and discuss and have talks with them. I wasn't supposed to sit in the corner and just eat and just be good and Memorize my verses there. No, I was there to, to, to talk to them. Fill in the gap, right? To fill in the gap because I might not see them here at church, but I see them at those parties and at least I get to minister to them. But what do they love talking about? My past. I start talking about my past. And there's no denying it. There's no denying your past. But what happens is the now. They were drinking. They had shots. They had mixed drinks and everything. They were teasing me that maybe I could make a good mix there. And I told them I'll be tossing that up and I'll be catching it in the back. Probably don't want to see that. <laughs> but the point is, I have to deny myself of what I think won't affect my salvation. Because here's these people watching me. Did Jesus really change this guy? Somebody we know that was really a big bonehead. Right? So that's... We need to, a life of obedience to God should be our fo the focus, main focus of a believer. Because if you are to share the gospel, you also have to live your life concurrent, aligned with the gospel. Right? It can't be opposite of what the message that you are saying. If you are saying you've been saved by grace, by God, yeah, they want to see it. Okay, what is that like? If you're still living the sinful ways, you might be saved, but then your fruits are not showing. So only you and the Lord knows it. What good is that? But salvation is accepting Jesus. But then you have to ask yourself, if you're still living that life, you are living a life of disobedience. Let's just be honest about that. You are choosing to disobey what God, because the Holy Spirit will not lead you to continue to live a sinful life. Do we agree? Because the Holy Spirit will convict you of those little things that you used to do that you could care less if anybody, you know, what anybody thinks. But then the Holy Spirit will, will convict you. Joe, you shouldn't be saying that anymore. Joe, you shouldn't be approaching that situation like this anymore. So it's denying a lot about obedience to God. If we are to live an obedient life to God, a lot of it has to do with us denying ourselves. And I'm going to end with this. Somebody say amen. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm glad he's done. <laughs> there is a God. Luke 9.23, <laughs> and he was saying to them, Jesus speaking, speaking to his disciples, 
If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Coming after Jesus, obeying Jesus, has to do a lot with us not being ourselves anymore. We have to deny ourselves. What is that? What's denying ourselves? It's everything that you want that is against God's will. It's everything that you want that is taking you away from that direction that God tells you to go. But which way is that, Joe? Well, let me tell you. Jesus said, I am the way. <laughs> right? I am the way. There you go. That's the way. You follow Jesus. That's the way. What kind of life is that, man? What kind of life am I supposed to live as a Christian? Jesus said, I am the life. Right? Some of us don't want it. And then they, then, then they tell me, but what's the truth? <laughs> I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's all about Jesus. But if we're going to go to Jesus, if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to deny ourselves. So who is Lord of your life? A life of obedience to God denies yourself all the rights that you think you have. Because most of the time, God's plan for us is the opposite of what we've been planning. Trust me. I, I wrote everything that I wanted to do in my life, and pastor wasn't in that list. <laughs> he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't. The color of the car was there. The size of the house was there. The dollar amount that I thought what I wanted was there. Pastor, no. But God brought me here. And it's the life that's so satisfying. It's not happy all the time. Yesterday wasn't a happy event, although Mikey, that was a happy moment when Mikey went through the wall. But it was a Saturday. But it was a Saturday. People, that's, that's their day off. But what did they do? They got dirty, dusty, and sweaty. But because God compelled them to move and help out in, in expanding, even the expansion, a lot of people are like, why are we expanding? We don't even fill up all the chairs. That's true. Why? Because God told us to do it. Because God told us to do it. It makes more sense to rest on a Saturday. Why would you go? Because God told me. I was so nervous that I, I, I had the, the biggest migraine the night before. And I thought, I was thinking, this could be flu. And my prayer to God was, Lord, please don't let me get sick because I know they're not going to believe me <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to call in, hey, Brother Dodd, I can't make it. Brother Edgar, I got the flu. They hang up, what are they going to say? Pastor just lied. <laughs> he just don't want to do the work. Who wants to break this wall? It's his idea. He's not here. <laughs> right? A life of obedience to God, we, we end up doing things that we normally wouldn't. But if we know that it's God who asks us to do it, we do it anyway. Right? Dust and everything. So, the question is, do you want to live a life of obedience for God? Going back to my discussion with my cousin, the problem there was the definition, the, the definition of simplicity. His definition of simplicity 
is being in another country, enjoying a drink or two, living a life of a king for a week or two, removing himself from work and the reality of, of the life of a, here in America, that's simplicity for him. Because he said, live a simple life once in a while, bro. Go to the Philippines. But for me, simplicity is not that. See, it's, it's the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 2. You change your mindset. You, you change, God changes how you see things. You know what simplicity for me is? And the most relaxing time for me? Before when I was single, it was, isn't, it was in the beach with my Mai Tai drink. But now it's my pajamas. It's with my pajamas. It's time for bed. After I brush my teeth, as I'm brushing my teeth, I'm like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> no more phone calls. No more texts. No more emails. That's simplicity. A vacation for me is, is potless Sunday. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Have you been in one? <laughs> That's simple for me. Everything else is different. A life of obedience to God is denying ourselves and following everything that God has asked us to do. And Paul lived that life. As we tackle more verses next week and the following weeks, you'll see, you'll see, we will see again how he spent his life, how he raced the right race, that he was running the right race. He was fighting the good fight. And he lived his life for God, no longer for himself, but for God. That's a man who did all the things that he thought he needed to do, but yet Jesus told him, you're wrong. So believer, if you are a believer, you claim that you're a believer, you want to live the life, your life should be a life of obedience to God. Or else your life will be miserable because you'll be chasing after the wind. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight, Lord God, through the life of Paul. Lord, I pray for forgiveness for our sins, Lord God, for the many times that we've denied you, for the many times that we made ourselves the Lord of our lives and not you. Forgive us, Father, when we served as a stumbling block to others instead of a stepping stone for them to know you. Father, I pray for blessings for those who have been obedient to you. I pray, the Father, that you give them the desires of their heart because I know the desires of their heart is, is you and you alone to please you. So, Father, continue to just shine your face upon them. And I pray that they will be so bold, Lord God, that they will share their life to other believers and to encourage those who are straying away from the faith, Lord. Father, I pray for your church here, Lord God, and I pray that we will continue to be pleasing to you. I pray that as a church, together, Lord God, we will continue to be united with love. Because of our love for you, Lord God, we'll continue to love one another, Lord God. The love that comes from the Holy Spirit that is within all of us, Lord. Because I know, Lord, that we could be irritating and disappointing. Father, I pray, Lord God, for your presence in everyone's lives here. I pray that you use every single soul that is here, Lord God, tonight. To be your salt and light in this 
town, Lord God, in the Reno Sparks area, Father God. I pray that they will be bold and they will be obedient, Father God, that we will be bold and we will be obedient, Father, to live our lives for you and for you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving 